Brothers and sisters, this afternoon we will listen to what the Word of God teaches us about the sacrament of Lord's Supper, and that is summarized by the Church in Lord's 28, but let us now first read from the Word of God from John 14, verse 15 to 31. John 14, verse 15 to 31. There we read the word of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sends me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe." I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let us now read what the church confesses about the Lord's Supper, Lord's 28. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and a cup given to me, 
So surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, who is both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit, as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul where he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. (coughs) Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, When we celebrate the Lord's Holy Supper, and Lord willing, you may do so this coming Sunday, when we celebrate the Lord's Holy Supper, then we celebrate something that the Lord Jesus had instituted in a moment that was very intimate with the disciples. The last Passover which he celebrated just before his death. He knew he was going to die. He was going to be crucified, sacrificed. And he shared with his disciples a lot of of his feelings, but also of his teachings. He summarized for them a lot of what he had been teaching them during the three years on earth, but with a certain urgency, because he knew now he was going to die, and and they were not going to see him anymore for three days, but then they would see him again, and, and the world would not see him anymore. He would withdraw from the world, he would ascend into heaven, but the disciples would know him, and through, through them the church would know him. And he prayed for the disciples, and he prayed for the church in John 17. And when we read through these chapters... And the following 
chapters after what we read, as, as well as the, the chapter this afternoon. It's, it's all very close before his suffering and death. And, and the following chapter, that probably starts at the Lord's Supper table, or at the Passover table. And, and, and there we see that the Lord wanted to create a very intimate moment with his disciples, and now he instituted that also for his church of all times and places. In the Lord's Supper, so to say, he gives himself to us, his body and blood. And we should not take it literally, as, as the Roman Catholic Church does, as if he gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink, but spiritually, he gives himself to us and for us as a sacrifice for our salvation. And that is what he wants us to remember, and that is why he gives us the bread and the wine. It comes so close to us that, in fact, we are eating his body and drinking his blood, even though not literally, but spiritually. And that is meant to to create that intimacy around the Lord's supper table. And it's therefore very sad that during history, human beings have corrupted this institution of the Lord's Supper into something that it is not. We see it in the Roman Catholic Church, where they separated it from the Lord's Supper celebration with the disciples, and they made it a symbol of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ itself, which has to be repeated so that every time again, by this repetition, the sinner will receive forgiveness. And they made it an idolatry. But we also see it when, when, when people are going to fight about the symbols of bread and wine. Well, in a form we will hear, we should raise our hearts on high and look on Jesus Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we should not focus totally on the symbols of bread and wine. They're only symbols. They are meant to direct our attention to Jesus Christ in heaven. So when you celebrate the Lord's Supper this coming Sunday, then that is what you should do. When you're sitting at the table, when you're celebrating the Lord's Supper, then go with your thoughts, go with your mind, together with your brothers and sisters, and think about Jesus Christ at, at last supper, last Passover, which is celebrated with his disciples, but also to Jesus Christ, who is seated at God's right hand. The Lord Jesus Christ, his intention with the institution of the Lord's Supper is to give us comfort, to draw us close to him, and by doing so, to give us certainty, to give us the assurance of our faith. And therefore, we celebrate the Lord's Supper in faith. And that's the word of God, as the church summarized in Lord's 28. And I proclaim it to you under this theme. The Lord comforts us by inviting us at his table. And first, this comfort is received in faith. And second, this comfort is experienced in love. The Lord comforts us by inviting us at his table. In the first place, this comfort is received in faith. This afternoon we read from John 14 about the Lord Jesus Christ who was telling his disciples that he was going away, but he would not leave them alone. They would see him no more, but he would send him the helper, and this helper would be with them forever. And in that way they could see Jesus Christ seated in heaven at God's right hand. And because he would be raised from the dead, because he would live, they also would live. 
And then we have to see this within the context of chapters 13 to 17, which all speak about the preparation for the last Passover and the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ thereafter. And it was a difficult time for the disciples. If you read all the time that John spent on describing those last few days before the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, so much information came to them. And they still didn't understand it. And we read from the Bible the day that Jesus Christ was crucified and the days thereafter, they didn't understand it. They didn't remember what he told them these hours before his death. He told them that he would be crucified, but that he would be raised on the third day. They didn't remember. And John 14, verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And that is a rich promise which he gave them. The world would not see him anymore. Now is the time that he withdraws from the world. He has been preaching in the world. They had rejected him. Now he has called his disciples, and his disciples will go into the world and preach him. But now for him it is time to go out of the world. The world will not see him anymore, but those who believe him, they will see him. He appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. He did not appear to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He did not appear to the Romans or to any other one, to anyone else except to those who believed in him. The world didn't see him, but the disciples did, also when he ascended into heaven. And the disciples went out and proclaimed him everywhere on this earth. And all those who believe their preaching, they will see him, seated at God's right hand with the eyes of faith. And in verse 22, Jesus Christ said that, uh, 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus Christ promises that God will come to us and, and dwell in us. And he speaks about the Holy Spirit. He will make our home. He will make our, our home with him, with the believer. And that's only possible by faith. We see him by faith. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world, those who don't believe, they only see with human eyes. They don't have spiritual eyes. They can only see what exists here on this earth. And here on this earth, they make their gods in their own image. And even among Christians, there are people who make God in their own image. The Roman Catholics did it, but they not only. It is constantly a temptation for us Christians also to make ideas about God and to use God for our own purposes. That happens throughout the whole history of the church, and we have to be careful with that. That we are not going to use God and God's word to support our own opinions, but that we submit to the word of God. And it's only possible through the Holy Spirit. Because from ourselves, we would never do it. From ourselves, we would always be proud and want to see our own opinions as the Word of God. So often we do that, that we think that what we believe, that is the Word of God. Even though 
we are not, not always able to prove that from the Word of God. And therefore, humility is very important. And that is what the Bible teaches us as well. That is what Paul teaches us in Philippians 2 and, and other, other parts of his letters. In humility, we will let ourselves be governed by the Holy Spirit. And through the Spirit, we will see what God shows us in his Word. We see by the eyes of faith, and therefore it's by faith only, that we see our Lord Jesus Christ seated at God's right hand. And that's also what we see when we receive the bread from the hand of the minister and drink the wine from the cup. And we see our Lord Jesus Christ. We focus our eyes on Jesus Christ. And then for us who believe, the bread and the wine are the proof of Christ's sacrifice and death, which are for us. Proof, because they give us certainty. We don't need anything else, because by faith we believe it. As certainly as we receive the bread and drink the wine, eat the bread and drink the wine, just as certain it is that Jesus Christ died for us, and was raised from the dead, and that all through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit whom Christ promised to his disciples and to his church. And with that, the Lord's Supper is a sign and a seal, as a sacrament. They signify salvation, the sacraments. They signify the reality for us. They are not the reality itself. The bread and the wine are not the body and blood of Jesus Christ itself, but they are a sign and a seal of that reality. They show to us it is real. It is sure. And as sure as this bread and the wine, as you can eat it, taste it, just as sure is the work of Jesus Christ for you. And the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they all know that we need this certainty because so often we doubt. And so often Satan is working hard to sow doubts in our hearts. And therefore, Christ came very close to his disciples and now he comes very close to us through his Holy Spirit. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and again, it is an intimate relationship between Christ and his church in which he wants to give certainty to his true believers. And it's by faith that we receive it all. Christ lives in heaven. And we should maintain that. And the body of Christ does not come down on the altar. We don't have an altar in front of the church. We have a Lord's Supper table. Christ is in heaven. He lives in heaven. But he is present among us through his Holy Spirit. Because we do speak about the Lord's Supper. He is present at the Lord's Supper table. No, not through the transubstantiation of the Roman Catholics who believe that bread and wine change. Not through the consubstantiation of Luther who believe that in one way or another, he could not, not explain how, but in one way or another, Christ was physically present in bread and wine. That it was rejected by Calvin and other reformers. That is not how Christ is present at the Lord's Supper table. But the Lord is present at the Lord's Supper table because He is the host. He invites us at His table. He makes His home with us through the Holy Spirit. So when we sit at the table, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, then we do so in the presence of Christ who is present here, who makes His home with us through His Holy Spirit. 
And keep that in mind when you celebrate the Lord's Holy Supper. And that way, we are one with Christ, united with Christ, united with his body in true faith. The Spirit uses the sacraments to teach us that, to strengthen us in our faith, to make it sure this is proof of what Christ promised. Believe it. We believe it because we see it as proof. But even if, if Jesus Christ would still live on this earth and give proof to all the unbelievers that he really is the Christ, and still they won't believe him. We see it in the time that the Lord Jesus was on earth. He preached to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He preached to the Jews, and, and, and he told them that he was the Son of God who came to save them from their sins, and they did not believe him. How do we think that he would convince unbelievers here if he was bodily present here in our midst? It wouldn't help. And the whole thing of the Roman Catholics who want to make Christ physically present in the Mass, it doesn't help to convert people. People love to see magic, but it doesn't give them true faith. Even if Christ was here in the body, it wouldn't make more people believe. We only have faith because we have received the eyes of faith from the Holy Spirit. We see because the Holy Spirit gives us light. In his light, we see the light. And then Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance. It's the conviction of things not seen. You know that it is true, even though you don't see it. You're convinced. And nobody has to tell you you're convinced it is true. And whatever other people say, you don't believe them if they deny it. You know it is true because God tells you it is true. That is faith. It's the work of the Spirit. The Spirit works through the preaching of the Word. The Spirit works in the church where the Word of God is being proclaimed, where the people together form the church, the communion of saints. And then we know that the church is not the work of human beings. The church is Christ's work. Christ who is uniting us with him through his Spirit. And the symbols of that we receive in the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, we eat his body, drink his blood spiritually, and by doing so we are united with his body. And 1 Corinthians 11 speaks about discerning the body, knowing what we are doing when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are celebrating the Lord's Supper as the body of Christ while eating the body of Christ. The congregation is the body of Christ, united by Christ by eating his body and drinking his blood spiritually, and in that way, being one with their head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who do not realize what they are doing, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. But those who do realize what they are doing and discern the body, both the congregation as well as the bread and the wine, as well as Christ as their head, they will be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. And they, they, then they don't look any longer at what is important in human eyes. They don't fight about what other humans are fighting about. But they focus on Jesus Christ. And by faith, they put their trust in him and expect everything from him. Brothers and sisters, if that is what you do, coming Sunday at the Lord's Supper table, but also today, here in church and every day of your life, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, 
focus on him as the head, and your brothers and sisters as the body of Jesus Christ. Then you may know that Christ will manifest himself to you, to all those who, live, who love him, as we read in verse 21 of John 14. And then we come to our second point. This comfort is experienced in love. Faith and love go together. The great command that God has given us that we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. And we shall love our neighbors ourselves. And we know that we are not being saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. We cannot do any good works if it is not given to us by the Holy Spirit. So keeping the Ten Commandments does not save us. No, the Ten Commandments show us how life is as it is created by God. Life is good because life we live in love with God and in love for our neighbor. That is how God created it in paradise. That is how Adam and Eve were able to live with God and to live with each other in love until they destroyed everything by allowing hatred in their life. Hatred towards God by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and as a result also hatred towards each other. And that destroyed that good relationship of love between God and us. But now God does not say, now I'll forget about that love. No, God still maintains his love. And God says, this is the love, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And if that is how you live, you will be blessed. At the same time, we know we cannot live like that. But then God says, then I will give my son, Jesus Christ, who will be perfect in obedience. He fulfilled all the righteousness which God's law required of us. And now after Jesus Christ paid for all our sins and fulfilled all the righteousness, now again we receive the promise, this is how your life will be, according to the Ten Commandments, which are summarized in the commandments of love. Faith and love, therefore, always go together. If you truly believe, then, then God's Spirit will work the love in you, and that is the new man, the new being. Live in love for God, in love for your neighbor. James says in chapter 2 that, yeah, you can do good works, you can believe that God exists, even the demons do so, and they shudder. But that is not true faith yet. Knowing with your mind that God exists, knowing with your mind everything that is in the Bible, knowing every detail of the Bible, being able to argue every detail of the Bible, standing up for what is right, standing up for what is the truth, it's all fine, but it is not true faith if it does not come from love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is how God wants us to live. And yes, that love is indeed loving God's commandments. But it is about love. True faith is accompanied by true love. In verse 21 of John 14, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
And that's what the Catechism emphasizes, that's when it says that Christ is your Savior. The Catechism is, is very personal throughout the whole Catechism when it speaks about our salvation. He is your Savior. It is not, he is not the Savior. He is your Savior. God is your Father. And that is again what we may experience in the Lord's Supper. Christ's care for us personally through the hand of the minister he gives to each one who celebrates personally the bread and the wine. You receive it from Jesus Christ because he cares for you. He is your Savior and God is your Father. It also means again that we don't know God as an objective truth. We are not like those philosophers like Aristoteles and others who, through reasoning, come to the conclusion there must be a God. And it must be a God, and then they describe him in a way that is almost like he is being described in the Bible. But they don't really know him, they don't really love him, because they describe him as, as something that is higher up there, but they don't really love him. God comes to us as our God and our Father in a personal relationship. And that's what we celebrate on Lord's Supper. Jesus Christ came to save us. He did not come as the Savior of the world, just as the Savior of the world, but he came to save us, his people, each of you. And when he died, he died for you personally. Because he loves you. And this word love is, is very important here in John 14, it is even central. It is mentioned here in chapter 14 um, about 10 times. And with that, it becomes clear that it is an indispensable part of our faith. And first, John, in, in, in his letters, John again emphasizes this love. If you know God, if you love God, you love your neighbor. And, and you cannot love God if you do not love your neighbor. That love that fulfills us completely, that fills us completely. And that's also what the Lord Jesus emphasizes in the Lord's Supper. We don't believe God out of fear. Perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. Again, 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in our worship of God. If we truly believe, we do so out of love. We come together in church because we love God. We want to be here because we love Him. We want to sing for Him because we love Him. We want to listen to His Word because we love to hear from Him. Worship of God is filled with love, not with fear. If people tell you you must come to church and you come to church because other people say you say, say that you should, and if people tell you you should do this and you should do that and you must do that and you do it only because you must and you should, then that is not true faith. And I hope that you come to the point that you do it out of love because you want to, not because others tell you. Because that is true worship. Live your life in love for God. Worship of God comes out of true love. And with that, the worship of Christians is so totally different from the worship of this world. This world which is filled with fear always. In the time of the Old Testament, they were filled with fear for the gods and whether they may have displeased the gods. 
Now people are full of fear for all that is happening in this world. For a while it was the COVID. Now it is all the unrest in this world. It was Russia and Ukraine. It's, it's China. It's lots of things that fills people with fear. And that's not how we need to live. That's not how we should live. We live in trust. We trust the Lord our God. We live in love for him knowing that he loves us and in his love he protects us. That's the worship of God. That is our life before God. We live in love with God and in in love with our neighbor. And that is again what is emphasized in the Lord's Supper when the Lord Jesus gives us his body to eat spiritually and his blood to drink spiritually in the bread and the wine. The Lord's Supper is God's gift of love to us. It is for the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, that we shall love him and that we shall love one another. Lord 28 speaks about being united more and more to Christ's sacred body. And that is possible only because the Spirit who dwells in Christ also lives in us, as we read in John 14. We are united with Christ because we are both governed by the same Spirit. The Spirit who dwells in Christ also dwells in us. And with that we have become one body with Christ. God is love. Christ is love. We also are love through the Spirit. And therefore there is no place for hate, for jealousy, for negative feelings in the congregation of Christ. That is no part of God's body because that, is not, that does not come from the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 and other texts speak about it. And that the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, filled with the Spirit, so that you will teach and admonish one another and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Faith changes our lives. Faith because the Holy Spirit works in us. We have received the Holy Spirit, the promised one. And therefore we live in love for God with all our heart and soul and mind. And we love our neighbors ourselves. And this true love, which will become visible in our lives more and more, this comes from God. It does not come from this world. It comes from God. So if you do see it in your life, that may give you the assurance that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And also through that, you may be assured of your faith.